Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today, I'm joined by Drew Baker. Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. All right. So for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, want to share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Uh, so I am the co-founder and technical director at an LA-based digital agency called Funkhouse. And we do a lot of a lot of things, but you know what your uh, audience is most con concerned with is we do a lot of website design and development. And so we do all of our design in-house and all of our development in-house. And we're primarily focused around uh, Nuxt and Vue.js front-end work. Nice. Awesome. So I think what comes to mind immediately for me hearing about that type of work is is just the just the number of different projects that you've probably had experience on, um, just probably much more than, you know, when I consider more of an agency style um, uh, work environment as compared to maybe a, just a standalone product. Uh, it just sounds to me so much, so much more varied. And um, in some ways, like, like I think about uh, what is it? maybe something like, like, like Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours or something like that, that like you, you have this iteration and you learn over time these patterns. How do you, how, how, like, how do you manage those projects? Like how do you find devs who are interested in that type of work or who would be good at that type of thing? It seems, you know, seems like you do need really good devs for that type of thing. How do you, how do you think about all of that? Yeah, it's something that I think about a lot out of like a jealousy uh, point of view <laughs> where- Grass uh, is always greener. Exact, like exactly, yeah. where I'm like, man, I'm so jealous of someone that just gets to work on the same thing and polish it and polish <laughs> it and polish it. You know, and then you like, you meet someone that is doing that kind of work, you know, and they're, they're just like, oh man, I wish I could change gears and not have to work on this drop down menu for Oh my for God, 100%. Yeah, yeah, like people, you know, people who work at some of like the bigger tech companies, right? They just work on, the tiniest little cog in like the biggest machine ever. And that's just, that's what they do. They're like, that's their, their one little thing where I think it sounds like your projects, you just have a lot more ownership and, and kind of big picture results for your, your clients. Yeah. That's the difference between the agency world and, and uh, like a dedicated product is we are absolutely on the front lines of, different technologies, you know, like something gets seen on the internet, like, oh, this cool effect, you know, is getting done on this other website and the client will be like, can we, can we have that? Mm -hmm. And then you're put in a position where, you know, you have to figure that out. And so it's all over the place. Um, and the, the, the flip side of that is, yes, you get to work with some really interesting technology all the time, but the, the bad side of that is that it's, it's brutal. You're learning, like you're never comfortable, um, which is great for, learning your skills and and getting better like it, it it definitely makes you a better developer because you have to you have to be jumping through hoops all the time uh and mm -hmm. you, you never can rest um so it, it it's good in that sense but the um the learning curve is definitely steep uh but how we kind of combat that for junior people coming into funkhouse is it's on us as the more sort of senior experienced developers to figure out how to make something very complicated, something easy to do. So we break it up into lots of little components and you're not building this big complicated thing. I just need you to build this, this easy part of this complicated thing. And then you slowly kind of ramp into the bigger things. But eventually it's, it's definitely like you're, you're having to solve a lot of things. And, and uh, trust me, like the way you learn is if you do it wrong, you're going to get so, uh, it's going to bite you in the ass and you're going to have to come back and fix this thing that you did wrong a year ago and you're going to be like cursing that you it is yeah. pain, pain is an excellent teacher i've heard uh do you this is kind of a theme that's that's come up on the show where juniors think about what would be a good environment for them and so you can think about a big company a big tech company like a fang a small startup uh an agency do you find that that 
it's a good environment um, in the agency. Is that a, a agency world? Is do you find that to be a good environment for junior developers? It really depends on like all these things. It depends on what your personality is and the kind of work you like to do. You know what we look for at Funkhouse is because the work we do is very design driven. You know, and we try and mm. p- purposefully we hunt for projects that are des- very design heavy. We compete on do does our projects look better than the next. And so we want designers that, that care about design, obviously, but we also, we want developers that understand or care about design. So if, if the choice is like, are you going to work on this really cool project for the Russo brothers, like the guys that made the Marvel movies, or does that, do you not care? And you just uh, work on the drop down menu of the Google maps app, you know, like if you don't care about design, then, then probably working in an agency like what we do is not going to be good for you because it's hectic and the work is all over the place. And, you know, we try and do the best we can to make that not the case, but that's the reality, but you're going to work on some really cool projects. And if you like those projects, like for me, I I would hate working on like, you know, a a bank software or something that no one saw and you couldn't look at. And it was just like a database thing. Like it would just drive me nuts. <laughs> it would have to, it would just have to be a really sexy bank. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Now, now, now we're talking. Um, <laughs> Man, but, all bank websites are awful, but yeah. Yeah, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. So it's the, it's something that looks cool or you're trying to really like push the boundaries of something. That's what I'm in it for. Mm-hmm. And we, so we look for developers that care about that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I've found that, if that's the way you're inclined, then you'll do great because the designer is going to come to you and say, oh, I want it like this. And they'll, they'll have some reference or they'll have some prototype they made that's hard. They're going to design something that by the nature of it, it might not have ever been done before and you'll have to figure it out. And if that sounds fun to you and in- interesting, then you'll love it. But if you're a, a, like a lot of developers will push back on that and be like, well, it'd be easier if we did it like this. And it's like, you're missing the point. It's not, <laughs> you know, our clients aren't hiring us to make it easy to build, you know? So, yeah, no, yeah. Why? Yeah, this is, no, no, no. They, sh- they should just do it the easy way that doesn't involve all involve us or, you know, yeah. no, that's not, that's not. No, they want to. They want to stand out. They want to do something that really distinguishes themselves. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's really interesting because when you were talking about that, I can definitely imagine a lot of devs and to stereotype, I guess, very strongly. I can imagine more backend devs just not really caring about the design. Like they might just see that as superficial and not really the, you know, the point, and maybe even hard to maintain and not worth doing or something like that. But on the other hand, I could imagine a developer who has more compatible values, just recognizing that, look, software is for humans. This is what they're seeing. This is how they're interacting. Like it's almost like the, the, you know, the see and look, the look and feel really matters because that's how you're communicating with the user. And if you're going to ignore that, then just the value and and how you know just the value of what you're creating is going to be a lot less and and i know for me personally just a lot of the the projects that i used to work on i just loved being able to figure out how something was was done you know and i loved uh just websites that really pushed the boundaries and and just um aren't really you know just look like bootstrap or or yeah. whatever yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're hitting on there about the back end thing is totally true. Like if what I'm saying sounds tedious or not interesting to you, then then back end development would be really appealing to you and you should probably go down that road. So if you're looking about thinking about like, well, how am I going to get into this world? Then that would be a way I would focus on it. And then the natural progression to that is, is like, okay, well, what's the the most profitable thing for you to do with your time, you know, uh, as a programmer, there's a lot of things we can do. So if you're building a career, you should, I think, and something I, I wish that I'd thought about more as when I was starting out is you should probably go down the road of the thing that's going to give you the most return or the most happiness for a u- any given unit of effort. Mm-hmm. And so if the front end world sounds not for you, then, I mean, just, learn Python and AI and be part of the next wave of everything that's going on in that world. Don't, you know, um, 
I don't know. It depends. It, again, it depends on what you'd like to do. And I, I've always, I've had this, um, this analogy that I always keep coming back to that I, I, I got from observing my dad's company. Like my dad ran a construction company in Australia for my whole life. And I mean, he would say he was this glorified ditch digger. Like he was, <laughs> you know, started off in, in hard construction stuff and then doing general contracting, building houses and homes and things like this. And I remember being back because I, I'm from Australia and I, and I live in Los Angeles now, but I remember being back there and sort of watching his business and thinking like, okay, how does that apply? I mean, it's very, it's weirdly very similar to what we do. We construct digital properties. He constructs real properties. And I'm looking at it thinking, okay, well, there's three, for him to make money, there's three parts that go into it. He ha- there's an architect that designs the thing. There's the guy that owns the property that has hired the architect and then hires my dad, who's the general contractor. And so if you looked at that from a digital point of view, you've got the client, who's the property owner. You've got the architect, who is, in our case, is the design team or the designer. And then you have the construction guy, which unfortunately is me. This <laughs> is the, <laughs> the program. And so if you're looking at that, who would you want to be? Would you rather be, and what are the risk and the return profiles for each one of those? You know, mm-hmm. like the owner, his upside is kind of unlimited. Like mm-hmm. if he's got this great idea or this great piece of land or whatever, you know, he's building this thing, he can make that do anything. Mm-hmm. And his cost is pretty, and his risk is pretty well fixed. His mm-hmm. risk is I'm going to hire these, these professionals. I'm going to pay them this amount of money. And it, if I do that right, I'm going to get something at the end of it. And it's not like he, his risk can be, I get nothing or I actually spend money and I somehow owe money. That's very hard to do. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at the architect, his upside is huge. Like what would it cost to have Frank Geary design my house? <laughs> you know, it would yeah. be insane. Yeah. And what's his risk and effort? Well, you know, probably not that much. Like worst so case scenario. Cost. Yeah, opportunity cost. Worst case scenario, he designed something and it, you know, he lost some man hours. And then you look at the construction guy or the programmer, you know, and my margin is very much capped as a programmer. I'm basically going to get paid per hour mm-hmm. or best case scenario, I make some sort of margin that's probably around 20%. Mm-hmm. Very hard to make a thousand percent margin as a programmer because mm-hmm. it's, it's commoditized a little bit. Sure. So, and my risk is like, I do a ton of work and I don't get paid. Or in the case of like Funkhouse, we like do something really wrong and the website goes down and maybe they sue us, you know, if we're like neg- negligent, right? Yeah. So if you're looking at those three things, who would you rather be? And, and I came away, the conclusion is like, man, I would rather be the architect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the one who does the least amount of work. And if he, if he pitches himself as an artist, he gets paid the most. Yeah, So totally. th- therefore, you should want to be a programmer that is an artist not a programmer that is a construction guy. Ditch digger. A ditch digger. You don't want to be like up trading hours to build something like a, you know, which in my mind is, is back end. Mm-hmm. That is, I am building, I'm an engineer and I'm going to get paid like an engineer and, and that's it. And those guys are very valuable, but mm-hmm. then ne- you're never going to get, you know, a thousand percent return or anything like that. That all comes from either being the property owner. So like build your own thing or it comes from being, like an artist, basically you have to be able to be magic. You have to, mm-hmm. it's worth paying me a ton of money because I'm the only person that can do this. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a junior trying to get a career, like I think you want to be heading personally in that direction. So, okay. So I, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, and, and this is a topic that's, that's very dear to my heart. In fact, um, last, last week uh, we had Jonathan Stark on the show and his uh, book, is that I think the, the book is called Hourly Building is Nuts. Like that's his yeah. his whole shtick is that uh yeah if you're 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 trading your time for money in that way. And and a lot of a lot of his clients are software developers. And so he tries to help them recognize that they they shouldn't be ditch diggers. So in your in your opinion, let's pretend that that you are a junior developer and, and you recognize that you don't want to be a construction worker, like how, how do you set that trajectory correctly? Like what advice would you give somebody like that? Yeah. So it comes down to what you, what do you enjoy doing? Like if you enjoy the design stuff that I've been talking about, then it's absolutely focus on JavaScript, animations, 
CSS, all of the cool like effects that mm-hmm. like a like what you were saying, like other people might look at that as like, oh, those are gimmicks, that's hard to do, you know, it's annoying, mm-hmm. tedious work. It's like, yeah, but that's where the value is. Like if you're a great animator or you understand like WebGL and all that that kind of stuff, you're an you're an artist. Mm-hmm. But you're a really rare artist because you also know programming. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to find. It's like very easy to find an illustrator. And it's very easy to find someone that can use a 3D effects program. It's very hard to find someone that can do that and also write code. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm just laughing because that 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 was totally me, and I feel like I just never really went down that road professionally. Even though I, you know, I had projects where I would do, you know, the concert with Yo-Yo Ma with like live sound reactive visuals, and I've got some stuff on my, you know, NPM of like doing. You are being 3D. too modest, David. You you <laughs> built a video conferencing networking oh, tool that is also a video game (laughs) come Um, on i I mean yeah i mean that it's funny as i consider that to be i don't know i mean i i don't consider that to be because the animations in that i guess i guess there is a okay so let me back up for listeners who don't know so we're talking about rambly rambly is a uh spatial audio video game like thing that you can run in your browser so it's an app you sign in you become a little avatar and you can walk around like a you know people often say 8-bit but it's more like 16-bit super nintendo era uh, rpg your character walks around um and then it's multiplayer other people have characters they're walking around if you're next to them and you speak they can hear you as if you're standing right next to them and then if you walk away and you speak then they hear you but the volume is less because you're far away uh, and so this was built a long time ago for another purpose. And, and with COVID, JSLA, um, you know, my JavaScript uh, meetup, uh, we transitioned to online. And so Rambly just became a very good way to approximate the in-person meetup experience online. Um, and uh, a lot of people really like it. And I, I don't get me wrong. I love it. I kind of don't necessarily see that as the same skill set as let's say webgl i mean i built it using uh, vanilla react i didn't use canvas or some things that i traditionally would for um creative coding well well my point on that is like Mm -hmm. you can build a net i um you know a web-based video conferencing platform and it can look like zoom Ah, or you know or you can be david and you go, no, 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 that's boring. It could be this. And now you've built a video game. <laughs> but okay, it's, I, you know. I gotcha. And so I think, I think you, and this goes back to something that, I, that, that you said that was really important, which is that I think ultimately you don't want to be a commodity. And one of the ways yeah. that you can do that is to be pretty good at two things that if you combine them is pretty rare. And so that's what you were saying, that you can find an illustrator, you can find a programmer, but it's, it's much more rare to find somebody who can combine those in interesting ways. And I, and I totally get what you're saying about Rambly. Like it, it seems to be a combination that a lot of people wouldn't make. Um, and when you brought that up, I was thinking a little bit more about what I did with um, you know, a lot of my creative coding. And if anybody's interested in some of my creative coding projects uh, on JSLA, I have a, a video about where I talk about creative coding being uh, one of the best ways to develop um, like uh, coding superpowers. Because uh, I do think that that iteration that's afforded when you're building projects like that really helps you grow very rapidly. And in fact, I think that ties in, Drew, to, to I think, agency work. I think that iteration on those projects really can help someone grow as a developer very, very quickly. Um, but, totally. You, yeah. The weird superpower you, I, I, I found you develop when you've spent enough time in the agency world is like you, you really get this smell test that you can look at something you've had no experience with it and you can look at it and go ah this is the wrong way to do to do this like mm. i shouldn't use this to do what i want to do like ah because this is going to be a headache later oh, or wow. something that's great like, you know and you, so you get this ability i think to to really look at a, pro, a problem and be like okay we, we definitely want to solve it in this direction and not just reach for this other thing that you'll be paying for forever. Um, so that's like a weird thing I've noticed comes up. And I don't know exactly why, but I, I think it's probably the pain is a great educator, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's it's interesting. It's definitely is an there, interesting role. Is, is that just something that, that you think you would be able to 
teach somebody? Because that sounds like an incredibly valuable skill, right? Anytime you've got a project coming up, trying to choose the right tool for the job, trying to choose the right architecture. I mean, that initial trajectory can have huge impact down the line. And so I'm curious, is that something that you'd be able to to explain to somebody, to teach someone, or is it just, oh no, the way that you learn this is you just fail a bunch. Like, <laughs> I think it's a, it's probably a little bit of both, but yeah. it, it feels like experience is the, is the answer there. It's just like, mm-hmm. I've done enough of these things now to know like, all right, well, you don't want to do this or keep it simple here. But I guess the blanket rule, and I'm sure I know that you've talked about this in many of your previous episodes, is like, you should really not just reach for the latest and greatest thing because you, <laughs> you saw it on Hacker News, you know, and like you only, it needs to be stable to a certain degree, especially when you're getting paid to do it and there's clients relying on it and you need to understand it enough that if it breaks, you could at least fix it or mm-hmm. know why it broke, you know? And so there's, you see this trend with juniors, especially in like the creative coding example, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not enough to just be like, oh, I kind of like hacked this code pen of like a D3 effect or something. You, mm-hmm. it, 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 that does not impress me when I'm looking to hire someone. I, I, you need to, I need to know that you actually know this because mm-hmm. so don't spread yourself thin, like learn something, you know, as deep as you can. Like they say, I'm a big fan of basketball and the NBA and stuff. And they say like, there's a saying in that basketball world is like, you have a role in the NBA if you're exceptional at one. Th- and it's true, like you have, if you're exceptional or you know something, one thing really well, it's going to be much easier to get a job than if you know like 10% of everything, you know? Like, and mm-hmm. and you can spot those resumes like a million miles away, you know? Um, if you, especially like boot camps and these code, code academy things and stuff, uh, you'll see right. these resumes that it's like 50 things that they know. And, and you know, like no one knows, no one knows that. <laughs> the, the most experienced developers will have like three, three or four things that they're really good at. So if you've got 10, like uh, .NET and like all over the spectrum, I'm um, like really good at .NET and JavaScript and PHP and Python, you're like, okay, <laughs> that's not true. So right. focus on some some of the basics, I think is the best thing you can do. Yeah, I, it, it for me, this makes me think of a couple of different things. I mean, one, I mean, it just sounds like it's worth reiterating that it's very valuable to set yourself apart and not to appear like uh, a commodity. Um, Second, the, 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 you know, I've heard before, I think there's like a common, um, I forget who, who said it first, but the idea is that you want to be T-shaped. So there's like a bunch of things that you want to know shallow. And then uh, there's like a few things or one thing that you're really deep on. Right. And so that it winds up looking like a, a T, you know, so there's all of these different things going across like horizontally. And then your expertise level is the, you know, how far mm-hmm. it goes down. And so a T means like not all of these things you're very deep on or, or, you know, very sophisticated with. But then there's one thing that you're or a few things that you're you're really, really good on. And I think a lot of people like that. Um, I I kind of dig the the idea of, of having two things. Um the, I think Scott Adams, I, th- I might have mentioned this before on the show, Scott Adams, the, uh, the creator of Dilbert, uh, he popularized the idea of, of it's very difficult to be the best in the world at any particular thing. And if you can be, by all means, do that. You're going to do extremely well for yourself. But you can wind up being a pretty good X and also a pretty good Y and then combining those together. And then the, the, the number of other people will have that that are as good as you at both of those things becomes exponentially smaller. Uh, and and so that also seems to be a pretty good way to do it. That's also a lot less daunting. Like you could just become pretty good at, you know, CSS animations and pretty good at view. And yeah, no, that's, that's totally that's, I'm sure worth a ton. If you're like really solid at view and CSS animations, like you've kind of set yourself apart. You're probably not a commodity anymore. Like I, I, I think you probably wouldn't even agree that view developers are a commodity. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're also. Yeah, absolutely. To hire. But <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean, you probably do both of those. You're good at, at both of those. And I think you're, you're, you're pretty much going to be set for a gig for for a while. So I wouldn't think that it, it's actually that scary. As long as you're interested in both of those things, 
Um, it sounds manageable to me, but even if you're a junior, just to be like, oh, you know what? I like these things. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm absolutely. Gonna you're to totally right. Like, pretty good at them. And, I, and uh, there's a difference between what I need to be good at as a junior to get my foot in the door. And then there's like what my career is going to be. And, and mm -hmm. the T approach that you describe is absolutely, that's your career. But getting your foot in the door, yeah, if you knew CSS animations in view, you're, you're, if you're more than a junior at that point. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you know, yes, you absolutely get a job. But I would say to get a job, just know the CSS animation part back to front. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, that there is very hard to find. Um, it's weird how CSS is so underrated. Well, not not underrated, I guess, but like it's hard to find. Like underrepresented Absolutely. In, the, in like the dev community. It's, it's yeah. one of those things that it's like how, like it's just one of those things that you have to have. Like imagine having a web project without any CSS. It's like that that doesn't even make sense. Like that's not a, that's not a real sentence. And so it's so required, and yet so many developers, I mean, if you're doing Vue or React or whatever, it's so common for them to say, oh my God, CSS, like I, I hate doing CSS or like. Or just you know, not just, know it, yeah. you know, like yeah. if, you, if, if I, when we do do this, we have like coding, you know, just multiple choice coding questions to screen new applicants. And if I actually put like, explain to me Flexbox, CSS Flexbox, CSS Grid and Object Fit, I think no one would pass it. <laughs> like, um, so, you know, just go deep on one thing like that and you'll definitely, if you, again, if you appreciate design and that sounds interesting to you, then don't even worry about all the other things that they're going to try and teach you at a code camp, like Node, you React, whatever. If you came to me and it's like, I just really, really understand, like tell if you could explain to me what request animation frame actually does, mm -hmm. then, okay, here we go. I can totally use someone that does that work. And now, look, that's unique to Funkhouse because we care about design and we do high animation stuff. Yeah. But I'm telling you, there is a shortage of people that know that stuff. Right. And so there is a lot of people out there that you know think they know React. That is not a valuable job. It's an easy job to get, but it's not a valuable one as a junior. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. So that makes it. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Recently, so the junior to senior, uh, in addition to the podcast, we have a private. Um, uh, community and also uh, a a mentorship uh, community where you can you can get paired with a uh, a one on one mentor like Drew actually and um, part of being in the private community I do monthly uh, Q and A sessions and one of the questions that came up last time had to be how do you choose a technology or a language to be proficient in so that you can so that you can get a job, right? Like, how do you how do you choose one? Because there's all of these, you know, job posts and companies and what they what they're looking for. They're all kind of different. One wants Python, and you know, yeah. one wants you know JavaScript or Vue or Nuxt or whatever. Like, how do you choose one to get uh, a good job? And I'd be curious to hear how you would respond to somebody asking you that question. Yeah. So. I think, and look, I'm quite opinionated on this, and obviously it's, this is through the lens of the work that we do, which is, again, just design-driven kind of stuff and, and very marketing sort of portfolio website stuff. Um, so my, my experience is that. But I think there's only two real options. And again, I like to think of it through the idea of careers and like what am I going to put my effort into? Because I think it's a bit of a, it's very rare that you will change languages in your careers. Mm -hmm. Like you'll be asked to like fill in gaps and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But once you get really good at something, you'll just naturally select around that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's two things. There's only two choices that you have. One is if you like the uh, idea of building a user interface website, like a, something that someone is going to use and be it uh, a backend person like we talked about or a front end person, but either way you're building like a website that humans are interacting mm -hmm. with then JavaScript is the only, the only thing that you should worry about. And then the derivatives of that, like HTML and CSS. So focus on learning JavaScript, or that's that. Because all the other ones aren't as popular as JavaScript and aren't as easy to get jobs in, and also just aren't iterating at the speed that JavaScript is. Right. Like what is going on in the JavaScript world is insane. Right. And like browsers are not 
changing off that anytime soon. <laughs> so if you know JavaScript and what's going on in Node, you'll be both qualified for front end and you'll also be qualified for back end work in Node and all that kind of stuff. So you will be totally fine if you're an expert at JavaScript as a career. The other side of it is if you don't want to do that because you don't, that doesn't sound good to you, or you're smart enough to not, because I think this next option is way harder, it's Python. Mm -hmm. Because what is going on, what AI is going to do to humanity, that is all going to happen in Python. Mm -hmm. Or at least it's, it's happening in Python right now and seems to be always going, going to be going in that direction to my yeah. eyes. So it's Python or JavaScript. And then there's all these other things like Go and you know, Swift and all these other sort of derivatives of C, C Sharp and C, all that stuff. Great. But I'm just sort of generously saying you should either learn Python or you should learn JavaScript. I think those are the, the safest two bets. What do you think, David? I mean, you're very deep in that world. Yeah, I uh, so yeah, obviously I run JSLA and kind of related to to some of our conversation that we've we've already had. Um, I, I I am so and have been so bullish on JavaScript and and by extension Node because so and and I'll get to mobile in a second, but for the most part, like the browser and the web is and it's just massively important um you know like companies like google and amazon and and facebook um you know massive massive web properties uh other companies have come up that are also huge and um wind up being being mobile like even like instagram but the, the the interesting thing about them is even they within the company themselves rely so heavily on web applications. Uh, so React itself came out of Instagram and uh, Facebook. Uh, I think they they uh, have some squabbles about who's actually um, created it, but it was created to manage their ads um, and their internal tools. It, we wound up having these web apps that were so complicated in terms of what state you had to maintain in, in the browser because you wanted to select like, okay, this should be targeted towards men between the ages of 25 and 45 and in this geographical region. And so just imagine like the forms that you had to deal with where as you're selecting these things, you're actually seeing the audience size and other demographics change in real time in response to what you're, you're selecting. And that was, I'm not going to say it was like hard or impossible to do without React, but it was, it was just something that didn't have the right conventions and the patterns for. And so at the time, you could have done it with um, like something like Backbone would, would have been the closest that was, was more established patterns for, for doing that. But the point being is that, that the web applications um, just at these companies wind up needing to push the boundaries of the tech, the, the mm -hmm. new frameworks and new paradigms and new ways of doing things um, just keep coming up. And I've gotten several layers deep, but coming back to it, um, the point being JavaScripts are really just not going anywhere. They keep creating tools from themselves. They keep using those tools to, to do newer and bigger things. And then that, that creates more and more demand for more tools that need to solve the problems that have then been created. And over time, they're just de delivering more and more value. And even in the case of a quote unquote mobile company like Instagram, internally, they still have massive web apps and everything to manage these, these big systems. So I just, I remember a long time ago looking at things like Google Maps and Gmail and just also the amount of money that companies, even, even companies like Apple, were dumping in to JavaScript and JavaScript interpreters, you know, billions and billions of dollars. And just recognize this isn't going anywhere. And this is what I wanted to, um, it was, it was philosophically and values, the open web is just what I believed in, loved the idea of creating apps that you just didn't need to install. Yeah. Like you just can send somebody a link and they click on it and they're they're in your app. So one of the things I like about Rambly, it's like technically it's a video game, but you just click on a link and immediately you're walking around this world. And so I love I love stuff like that. Well, and well, yeah. uh, the the counter argument to this, and I'm sure there's people out there being like, well, you know, mobile, like all like there's a huge um, financial incentive 
around not using JavaScript, right? Like what, what's going on with mobile apps, right? And so mm-hmm. when, I, when we say JavaScript is, what, is the thing that you should be learning, I'm not saying there's not other things going on. It's just that the, the future is very bright for JavaScript for a few reasons that you were just talking about. And, and one that I think is very underrated and is very applicable right now with all the lawsuits and stuff going on with um, the Apple Store, the App Store on Apple, mm-hmm. is that no one controls JavaScript. So it can't, there's no, in the, in the sort of VC world, you'd call this platform risk. If you go out and learn Go, or you go out and learn Swift, you are at the mercy of Google or Apple. And as someone who has tried to build startups around the Facebook API and have it be turned off, um, my, you know, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> you, you really develop this aversion to these to, to being controlled like that. You should, your destiny should not be tied to whether or not Facebook or Apple or Google think this is worth supporting anymore. So yeah. JavaScript, you yeah, know, needing permission to, to keep. Yeah. Going. Or like I have to pay I, I personally, I have to pay Apple so that I can write in Swift. Uh, oh, right, yeah, yeah. Forget that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, look that, that there's a, there's a reason why that that is, there's a lot of value in that. And you know, what Apple is doing with Swift and everything is, is really cool too. So it's not saying it's not worth it, but, or you could do it in JavaScript and, and it'd be free and they can't turn it off. And I, I really think that that is really, really valuable. And, and if, if some lawsuits go the wrong way with the App Store stuff for Apple, you know, a big reason why the App Store is so important to Apple is because they make a ton of money from it. So they want mobile development. They want mobile apps. Even though everything right. that can be done on the phone could be done in JavaScript if they wanted you to, if they let you do it. Um, right. And so yeah, it's just you know, conflict of interest there, I think, for that. Totally, there is, you know. <laughs> and so I would much rather be on the side of I want the thing that, that is sort of fighting against this monopolization. Like, you know, a, a, a big part of programming, at least for me and I think for most people, and, in, and if you're starting out, I encourage you to embrace this philosophy, which is, you know, it's this where we all started. It's this hacking thing. It's open source, you know, the man can't tell me what to do, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm a big, I'm, <laughs> yes, totally. I'm a big part of that. Me yeah. too. Me too. Um, yeah. So uh, real quick though, on the, on the, I think ultimately what I would say and, and uh, sort of what I was revving up to say uh, about on the JavaScript thing, probably went a little too long winded <laughs> on it, but JavaScript massively important, not going anywhere. And I do believe in strengthening muscles. And what I mean by that is you don't get better at, um, you know, playing, uh, you don't get better at baseball by playing basketball. Um, and so JavaScript though has place on the front end, has place on the back end, and those skills totally can translate. You know, if you, if you want to use, uh, underscore, um, or, you know, Lodash on, on the front end, you can totally use those same things on the, on the back end. Uh, a lot of JavaScript is just JavaScript, and and it's only the stuff that that touches browser browser DOM APIs that that don't work for for both. It's a lot of the same patterns, and so I think in addition to that, getting into mobile things like um, you know if you wind up learning React, that translates into to mobile with React Native and uh, onto desktop with things like Electron, and so it is. It is really powerful. Um, I think ultimately, though, just to, to, to say how I, I really did address that question about how do you choose uh, what frameworks or languages uh, to invest in based on, on jobs is I, I recommend separating the implementation and the tools and, and kind of your inputs um, you know, learning React, like that's a, that's, or, or like or coding in React or coding in JavaScript. In a lot of ways, that's, that's an input. That's, that's a, it's like the implementation. That's, that's how you're choosing to solve a particular problem. And I would say it is often much more valuable to think a little bit more deeply about which problems you want to solve. I think it's often more important to fall in love with a problem than to fall in love with a solution. Mm-hmm. And if you recognize that you do, and this is, I think, more to your answer, is to first recognize, do I want to be in the consumer web app, the consumer SaaS space? Do I want to be 
more in creating apps that that people can interact with directly. Um, and in which case, if you fall in love with that problem, you're going to explore it a little bit and realize that Javas, the JavaScript ecosystem and family has a lot of really good ways for you to solve that. On the other hand, if you want to fall in love with the future of, I don't know if I really want to say AI, but if you do want to, to leverage more bleeding edge, novel ways of, of computers and, and ways of having our problems solved that way with machine learning and AI, um, then as you start to fall in love with those problems, you're going to recognize that a lot of the solutions at your disposal are in the uh, Python uh, machine learning ecosystem. And that's going to wind up being more attractive. And so I don't love the idea of much in the same way that we were kind of giving boot camps a hard time. I don't love the idea of just trying to pick something based on how many jobs or how many job posts it's going to make you applicable for. I think you really do want to niche down a little bit more and think about what problems do you actually want to solve first and then see what, what those types of languages and frameworks keep coming up in regards to those as solutions to those problems. Yeah, I agree with everything. I agree with all of that. And, and I think that, um, you know, if, there's listeners out there that are going to be listening to that and be like, that's all well and good, David, but like what I put on my resume, <laughs> you know? And, I need, yeah, I, and, yeah, it's like I need to eat. Thanks. And, but I would just <laughs> say to that, that is, um, and this is as someone who hires people and multiple all the time, I, I can teach a, a good JavaScript, someone who really understands JavaScript. Like if they, if all there was on their resume was like JavaScript, I know JavaScript really well. I could teach you Vue in a few weeks. Like that's not hard. Teaching you JavaScript takes a long time, you know? So, and I feel like the same is with React. It's learning React is not hard. So if you know JavaScript, so learn JavaScript. Don't worry about the React part of it because anyone that's hiring anyone at a junior level is going to know exactly what I just said. And so they're going to take the approach of, oh, we can teach them React if they know JavaScript. So, you know, focus more on that, the, like the underlying side of it all, than, than like you said, the implementation, like oh, I need to know frameworks. No, you don't. That's not hard. The, the, the thing that makes a good programmer, it's, I say this to people that work for me all the time. It's like, I'm doing a code review or something like this and I see uh, indenting error or you forgot to turn on your linting correctly or you you know left in a console log that's not supposed to be there or some some garbage code from a previous commit that's now not being used at all. Those things aren't even related to you understand JavaScript. Those are just attention to detail or I did my homework and I understand what you know, a spread operator is, for example. Th these, those things are what make a great programmer. Not, I'm really good at React, you know. A and those aren't even related to writing code. It's just good habits mm -hmm. and good um, attention to detail. And those things are the ones that are the hardest to teach. Unfortunately, they're the things that are the hardest to explain to someone in a resume job interview. Like everyone says, oh, I'm great at attention to detail. And then the reality is quite, is hard to find the truth on that. And then there's all these typos. Yeah, that. yeah. So <laughs> I would just, yeah, exactly. So just um, focus on that stuff. Do your homework is the one that I struggle with the, with the most because that's what the world of a programmer is, is it's, you're never going to know everything, like especially in JavaScript. I mean, what's going on with the different versions of JavaScript and ES5 and ES6 and all of this, like it, it's astounding the pace. So I have like yeah. no sympathy for people like there's other ITs, you know, my, my twin brother is a designer, you know, and I'm teasing him because like he just know, has to know Adobe XD, you know, like yeah. a design tool and, and they're going to make, that's all he needs to understand. And, and what I'm, we're working on things that didn't even exist a year ago. <laughs> like, so yeah, cry me a river. It's, so but doing your homework is surprised. Like if you're listening to this podcast, you're already doing that. So keep doing that. Yeah. Um, but you'd be surprised about how many professional developers don't even come to JSLA meetups, you know, or right. don't even bother to 
read the newest CSS property that came out, you know, it, it's, it's astounding. So if you just become a student of the game and have a passion for understanding it, then you will do well. I guarantee you. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you bring up like an excellent point that I just I want to to underscore, which is that it's 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 an ongoing thing, right? It, you you can't you can't you can't just expect that that it's it's going to be easy or you learn it and then it's done. Uh, you have to continue going to meetups. Like you really should subscribe to newsletters to to stay current. You should find people who are doing interesting things and following them on Twitter or, you know, their blog or whatever it is. Um, and you should also try doing those things yourself, like be part of that community as well. So create things and put those out there and get feedback and, and just be, you know, be a part of it. And, um, and it's interesting that, that, that you mentioned the attention to, to detail because I'm under the opinion, and this is something that I'm going to uh, put out soon-ish, is I'm under the opinion that there's a lot of these skills that can be, they might be difficult to teach uh, or difficult to explain, but I think that they are much faster to learn um, if, uh, if you value them. And those are things that are like you say, like the, the attention to detail and, and making sure that when you're doing a pull request, you're not putting in irrelevant code or style fixes. You're just limiting the pull request to just the code that it addresses the issue and you're keeping it controlled and, and you are writing the documentation and you are writing good commit messages and you are communicating your changes to your team um, and you are planning your day and you are um, really setting, you know, basically setting commitments to like, oh, this is what I'm going to do by the end of this week. And then you hit it. Or if you don't hit it, you're really good about being honest about what got in the way and, and why it wasn't possible. And these things, like you say, aren't actually programming. They don't require, you know, five to 10 years working on the Unix kernel to <laughs> develop. Like, I do think that they are, if you commit to learning them or practicing them, you can, you can, developing, you can develop them very quickly and I'm going to argue that these are things that are going to make you come across as a senior developer. Yes. And um, and not the like you don't have to wait until you have 10 years of, of JavaScript experience to 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 appear as a senior to a lot of people who are who are hiring. Oh, you that is so right. And I, I hope everyone that is listening to this really takes that to heart because that is 100% correct um, and is, I'm telling you, very hard to find. And then the, the extension to that, which is what I was saying about being a student of the game and you know doing your homework is you're always going to be working with people that are smarter than you. you know. It, Otherwise, maybe don't work there. Go yeah, to okay, somewhere else. Yeah, I was going to say, or, or, or you should be. <laughs> yeah. So the trick is, and, and this, is, this is the thing for a junior, like I keep saying it to, to people that are trying, like how do I get into programming or whatever? It's like, you just have to get into a professional environment as quick as you can. Because the second you go from being a, a, a guy or a girl or, or anything in between um, on, on your own, studying and, and reading and going to boot camps up to being around professionals, mm -hmm. your learning goes through the roof. And, and you, you, I can't even describe it if you're willing, if you embrace it. So if you get around real professionals and like, I remember my first programming job where I was around real, real professionals, I wasn't just doing it on my own. And I'd been a whole lifetime of sort of doing it on my own. I didn't even know the words for things. Like I didn't know how to describe like a closure or a method or any of these things. And I would right. just call it like a squiggly brackets, you know, yep. like all these things. Mm -hmm. And they would tell you, oh, no, 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 it's this. And then you need to go and read everything there is to know about that thing. That's all, that's all there is to it. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, you know. I, yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, in fact, I think also even before, you know, you get a professional job, just going to something like JSLA will also help you sort of learn the culture and the vocabulary as, as well. And that's really important if, if you are looking for a job because it's also... It's going to make you seem really junior if if you don't know 
like the different you know like calling things like squiggly yeah yeah. (laughs) absolutely but the the um the thing about the job obviously we're we're here and we're going to prop jsla because you know that's your thing but also it's (laughs) it is it is true it's correct like let's just put it this way and and this is in a brutal sort of economic term that is brutal but it's the truth is that we are in a competitive environment you know you're going to get paid based on if you're better than the next guy or girl Mm -hmm. so uh how do you embrace that and not destroy your soul is the trick (laughs) but (laughs) the truth is you go like the last JSLA meetup that I was fortunate enough to present at, the audience consisted of, and, and, and you go into Rambly at the end of it, there are some, some of the best programmers in LA are in that group. <laughs> like you can be hanging out in that Rambly thing and you're there with people like David, <laughs> who has <laughs> got a wealth of knowledge. And then, you know, there's John Jardock and all these other like just legends in the LA world, which which we are fortunate enough being in Los Angeles. That's not just the best in LA. That is the some of the best in the world. <laughs> so if I'm going to that and I'm running a team of six or seven people and 20 years into this, you should be going to that <laughs> as a junior. Like I, in some regards, people like me, David, John, all these guys don't need to be at those things from a pure like developing skills point of view, we recognize that we should be because of it makes us, us even better. So if you're not doing that, how do you think you're ever going to compete? And it blows my mind that, that, that junior developers and even like mid-level developers don't participate in those things. Because at the end of the day, like as the, as the guy that is deciding who gets paid more and what roles they step into and, and what you're going to ultimately be driving a career forward i'm going to make decisions based on things like are you developing your skills because if all you can do is the easy things then you're going to get paid like the guy that can do the easy things so so start there and go from there you know i heard this great advice and i don't actually fully know if this is true actually david you would have a good opinion on this but someone once said to me the best way to get promoted or even to get a job somewhere is to figure out the part that your boss hates doing and do that. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I certainly agree with that. I agree with um, that. If you make my life easier, then welcome aboard. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like ultimate job security, yep. right? If you, it's like whoever your boss or your manager is, like if you, if you make their life easier, then they are never going to want to get rid of you. And if you, any, they're always going to be trying to make you happy as long as you are you're making their life easier you're making them happy like they're always going to be looking to to do what they can and the thing to remember is that doesn't always mean that they can be constantly throwing you raises and giving you huge bonuses they're they're often at the limits of you know yeah few companies have unlimited money to do that but they're they're really going to go above and beyond to keep you make you happy give you projects that you find more fun um and uh, so I, I completely agree with that. I think promotion wise might be, I mean, I think there's a little bit of a double-edged sword there though, because if you are looking for a promotion that doesn't include doing the thing that is making your boss's life <laughs> easier, yep. you won't be able to get that promotion until you automate it or you are successfully delegating that to somebody else on the team, but at least you can continue to take ownership of it, but you're going to need to free your time up to do whatever the other thing you well, want is. That's a great point and hits on uh, a tremendous second piece of advice that I would give there, which is uh, make yourself redundant. <laughs> so if you, if you take on a job, or a project or, you know, something again, taking on the worst part of my job and you're going to do it for me as a, as a junior. Fantastic. The next thing, once you figure out enough to know is figure out how to make that not an issue anymore at all. Because if you're solving problems that now don't become anyone's problem, well, you have now become even more valuable because you're generating free time for the business. Like my, um, my, I'm a twin and my, weirdly enough, my mom is also a twin and her twin brother has made a huge career in like petrochemical world doing just that getting a job 
and then figuring out how to make it so you don't need to hide. I don't need to work here anymore. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, people people like that. Like as someone who you know has I guess, multiple organizations now, but people like that are just they're amazing. They're like worth solid gold. Yeah. That I like to to put prices on people, but but it's important. Like they're, they're really really valuable, and uh, you always do what you can to to make those people happy. Well, and. Look at it from the flip side as, as a, you're a programmer or a, a front-end engineer working for me, let's say, and I, a client comes to me and says, I want my website to do X, Y, Z. And I turn around to someone on my engineering team and go, okay, this is your job. I need you to do X, Y, Z. If your response is like, oh, that's going to be really hard, bunch of pushback, I can't do that, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Eventually, it gets to a point where I go, you know what? fuck this, I'm going to do it <laughs> because mm-hmm. getting you to do it and that you've, you've just indicated to me that you're, if I do convince you to do it, you're going to have some issue with it and probably phone it in or right. um, I'm forcing you to do something you don't want to do and that's not something me personally I like to do. I want my people to work right. on what they want to work on or do you respond by going, I'll get it done. Yeah, let's do it. You know, you tell me which is going to be received better. <laughs> so um, uh, that that kind of person you would think is obvious, but I'm telling you, it's hard to find those people. You know, it's very hard to find. Um, yeah, I don't. That's something to think about is 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 why why is that difficult to find? But if you're listening to this and you can cultivate that energy and that response and that attitude of it's almost like service and wanting to help your manager or your boss and not really just always adopting what I think is almost a stereotypical frame in, in engineers and developers, which is a lot of the, the pushback. But if you can adopt that more of like a yes, totally, um, and almost like I think I've heard, you know, some relation to, to improv. I think in improv, like the most famous phrase is like, yes, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you do have issues and you want to change it a little bit, don't even start off with the no. Just be like, oh, yeah, totally. I'm so excited to get in. And uh, I think a really good change would be to this that would make it more maintainable, yeah, yeah. less of a pain in the ass. Well, I think that's a good way. To- well, the trick is, you know, is to not do it too far as well. Like the, the, yeah. Right behind um, the this is hard, I don't want to do it pushback guy is that the next worst person is the say yes to everything and not have any idea on how to do it and then super under deliver. Because, yeah. Okay. That's, so, you know, that's I think it's more point. like I'm going to try, you know, look, the reality is you want to be the guy that's like, I'm going to try and I'm down for the challenge all the time and you can, mm-hmm. you can trust that I'm going to try and I'm going to come to you with some, yeah. like I always, I frame it like this and I say this all the time. Anyone from Funk House that's listening to this will roll their eyes because I say it all the time, which is there should be no pushback on trying to do things better. You should always want to try and do it the better way, the right way or whatever, and come mm-hmm. to me with solutions. Don't come to me with problems. Because as a manager, you, you're in just, mm-hmm. your role is essentially just dealing with the hard stuff. So I only work on things that are hard because mm-hmm. if it was easy, someone else would have done it. And so if you're coming to me with more problems, that, that just is hard. So I'd like you to come to me with solutions. So try and, be, try and come to your, your manager or your boss or anyone with solutions. Like I tried this. These are the three ways I tried which way do you think I should be doing it? Because obviously I'm a junior and I can't do everything. Like I have no, no problems teaching yeah. someone how to do something. I don't like teaching someone how to do something twice. <laughs> and I really, you know, and that's the homework thing is, yeah. is, you know, I've shown you once, you should go and learn everything I just showed you, you know, and, and ask for clarifications. That's great. That means you're learning. I love that you're learning. Yeah. What I don't want is someone that's just not paying attention. Uh, so. Oh man, that is, that, I think that's a really, really good uh good advice um something to to remember that we we should end on uh <laughs> um drew this has been great where can people find out more about you online uh so our website funkhouse um is f-u-n-k-h-a-u-s dot u-s so like kind of a german spelling funkhouse dot u-s we put a lot of stuff on there and then our, the funkhouse github account is really good we have a whole bunch of open source stuff especially in the view world um, that we try and open source as much as we, we can there. So I'm a big believer in that. And then also just email me, uh, drew at funkhouse.us. Um, I'm trying very hard to be open to helping people get into this world. 
Um, and, you know, I am absolutely down to point people in the right direction. And especially people that don't have traditional backgrounds. I, I love that because I don't. I didn't. I went to school for business and dropped out. Uh, my business partner, Dave, has had a whole lot. He's a creative director and a genius creative director and just an insanely talented. Has a whole life. He worked at a gas station. He worked at McDonald's. Like he did all these things. And, and honestly, I think those people make better programmers we we are much more i i the word blue collar is i don't love that <laughs> word but it's true you know like our background is that my background is that my dad's construction mm-hmm. <laughs> um so i love if i love to help people like that um get into this world because i really do think that it changes your life and for for the better you know so true love it thank you for joining me today my pleasure david anytime all right folks that's it for this week i'm david gutman and i hope you join me again next time for junior to senior having trouble finding senior front end and full stack engineers sponsoring jsla is one of the best ways to get in front of the best javascript devs in los angeles to learn more head over to js.la sponsorship or send me an email at david at js.la